Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, guys? And welcome back into the podcast here. And uh, thanks, as always, for joining me. I am back home. I am in the home office, and I am recording this one uh, in my usual setup. So hopefully this one sounds nice and clear, and uh, we can get back to the market here. But uh, yeah, so first up, if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do so, and uh, make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes here from me. And uh, as I did just say, I am back. I, I went to the Indy 500. It was a, a great time. Uh, probably the the biggest one day uh, of sporting event in the world, I believe. Uh, somewhere near 400,000 people at one event. Uh, definitely quite the spectacle and uh, definitely draws a, a massive crowd. So it's uh, definitely something that if you are a, a race fan or even if you're not, it would I would definitely recommend it. I think it's something that... Uh, you could certainly see once in your life. Um, that that's just my two cents on that. But um, yeah, the uh, the airports were crowded. The you know everywhere I was, it was it seemed like the the travel was very busy, and uh, it definitely seems like that is going to be the trend for the summer. They are still saying that they are expecting one of the busiest travel seasons uh, in the history. So I know the airports did more volume than 2019. So pre pandemic levels, they exceeded that. And uh, definitely good for uh, for the economy, for those airlines getting back to, um, you know, kind of some of their pre-pandemic levels. That's definitely nice to see. And uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's pretty much it. That was uh, uh, great times and uh, glad to be home, though. So uh, we did have a lot of different stuff going on over the weekend that I was not so in tune with, with the, the debt ceiling. Uh, that deal is all but reached at this point. As I am recording, it's about two o'clock on Wednesday, East Coast time. And uh, yeah, it looks like um, everyone's going to say that they're um, not so happy with the deal. We wanted more. We should have pushed harder. I think that's a lot of, uh, you know, political positioning saying, hey, we we tried to do more, um, you know, when they go back to get reelected. Uh, I really wanted more out of this deal, but we uh, we apparently, you know, someone dropped a ball. Uh, so. Ultimately, we'll see what happens here. I know a couple hardliners were on on both sides are really trying to push back and say that same thing, where they were, um, you know, going to you know drag their feet through the sand, move, make any political move that they can in order to have that kind of position and that bargaining power when they go back to their base and you know really try to get reelected. So definitely watching what happens there. Want to see what happens with this vote. The the market is uh, off some of the lows on the day. The Dow is sitting down about uh, 150 points. NASDAQ's down about 54. The S&P is down 22. I believe the Dow was down about 250, 275 earlier in the day. Um, looks like we came back up a bit here. So yeah, we came uh, to a low of about uh, 30. Oh, this is a one month chart. Never mind. Let me look at the one day. What do we do here? We've went down to uh 32760. So yeah, we're sitting around 32890. So yeah, probably about 130 points lower at the at the low of the morning. That was around 10:30. But um we also had some jobs openings, uh, the Jolts report come out 
And this was also going to uh, kind of predict what's going on with some of the futures and what we are expecting from rate hikes. And we were expecting 9.4 million job openings. And if it would have came in light, that would have been uh, good for the uh, for the Fed, saying that uh, things are the labor market is getting tighter. We are getting in uh, to some more shrink, but uh, ultimately it came in at 10.1 million jobs that are available, and that is showing that uh, there's still a lot of job growth out there. There's probably going to be some more wage growth, and potentially we're going to get another rate hike. Now uh, it's really going to be a kind of decision thing as to what happens with CPI, what happens with some other housing numbers. Uh, so we are still waiting to get all that other information before um, June 14th at that Fed meeting. But uh, we've got 62% of people saying that we are not going to see a rate hike and 37.8% of people uh, on the Fed saying we're going to see this uh, this 25 basis point move higher. So I did mention when we're talking about inflation, we're looking at the uh, three things. We're looking at uh, goods, services, and housing. So we did get some numbers on housing. Uh, there was a 20-city survey, and uh, it was showing that some of those numbers are rising again. We did get uh, some numbers out of Florida still showing that uh, those houses were rising. Uh, Austin and I want to say Boise, Idaho, were some of the lower on the list, uh, losing about 10% of value from this time last year. So a uh, little bit of a mixed picture here, and uh, we're really waiting to see what the Fed does on some of the CPI information, and some of this housing information is going to have a lag effect onto when we're actually going to record this into uh, CPI and all these numbers being kind of brought together. But uh, at the same time, I really don't know that the Fed wants to pause here and then wait for July, because then we're going to see some of the different Paul Volcker kind of uh, problems from the 70s. And ultimately, it just kind of looks like you're going back and forth on what the direction of the uh, the economy really is. So I could certainly see them saying, hey, uh, 25 basis point hike. And then, you know, if you listen to Bullard, another 25 basis point hike to get to that 550. And then potentially uh, pausing there. And if I uh, fast forward out to September. Let's see if we're going to get a, a rate cut by then. And uh, yeah, it looks like uh, about 40% of people are saying we'll be at five, uh, five to five and a quarter basis points, or actually, sorry, five to five and a quarter percent, 500 basis points, or 10% uh, saying we'll be at uh, actually lower at 475 to 500. 39% of people saying, well, hey, we're still going to be at five and a quarter to 550. And 11% of people saying 550 to 575. So it is pretty much even uh, right in the middle and on the ends of this uh, this chart here as to what to expect in September. So that's very, uh, very unhelpful. But if I look out to uh, December here, what do we got? Oh, man, that uh, that's like a perfect uh, spread as well, man. Um, but most of it in the middle, I'm going to shoot to say 55% right now saying that we're going to be between 450 and 500. So I took a little bit wider of a window there, but that would be a cut from where we are right now. Uh, you add in the people, the 4% of people saying four and a quarter to 450 and what we're at, uh, 55, 59, call it 60% saying we're going to have cuts and, um, 28 
on the uh, the scale saying we're going to still be above five, 500 uh, basis points and then even some more that are going to be higher than that. So these numbers are really spread out. And I, I think there's a lot of, I won't even say misinformation. I just think there's a lot of different theories as to what happens here. What happens with housing? What happens with goods? You know, if these jobs start getting filled, are people going to start spending more money? Are they going to be moving? Are they going to be buying new houses? Um, I saw something else saying that uh, only about like 3% of the workforce is willing to move for a job anymore. And in the 80s, that was closer to 30 or 40%. And that number kind of surprised me as to how much that has dropped. Uh, I think a lot of people think that Zoom or uh, you know Google Meets or any, any other way that uh, business is conducted on the internet anymore has pretty much uh, taken a lot of that need to move for a job off the table. And most people really aren't willing to do that. So some people are fine with the traveling, uh, you know, a couple nights a month or whatever those numbers look like, but really not as many people looking to relocate for a job. But uh, all these different factors, when we put in the uh, the CPI, the jolts, the the uh, jobs report that we're going to be getting on Friday, you look at all these different things coming in, and uh, this could be the first time that we actually do get a pause uh, in this June meeting, and. It's kind of nice to see that uh, we're kind of getting to the tail end of this thing. We don't exactly know how it plays out, but uh, we are past peak inflation. We are past a lot of these peak fears. The debt ceiling has pretty much been solved. Uh, a lot of the things that we were worried about that were like a dark cloud over the market are really kind of lifting. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even seem like when the, uh, the, the fact that we could potentially get a rate increase for June it really didn't seem like that was the biggest of a surprise to anyone. It really didn't scare anyone. Uh, consumer spending was still strong. Uh, yes, we are using credit more, but uh, there are job openings that, that doesn't really seem like the, the world's ending. But uh, you have that other camp where people say, hey, yeah, we're, we're going to get a recession this year. And I just don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe on paper on, on GDP we do, but I feel like it's going to be very mild if it happens, I don't think it's going to be an earthquake type event. And it's really starting to feel like uh, we're, we're on the downhill of this thing. And, you know, we've definitely seen that in the in the market. Maybe the, the Dow might have been a little tougher. But, uh, you know, the Nasdaq sitting at 12.9. The S&P still holding up to that 4,100 level. Bank of America came up with a, a level of the S&P at 4,300 by the end of the year. Which, um, you know, ultimately... They were wrong last year. Let's let's just all go out and say that. I think every one of them that we looked at uh, January of 22, uh, you know, they were saying we were going to be upper 4,000s, low 5,000s, and then where where do we even finish? Um, probably around 3,800, somewhere around there. They were all way off. But um, there is a little bit more, uh, I'll say euphoria in the market. There's a lot of people really thinking that uh, – Things are going to be looking up now that some of these dark clouds have lifted, but uh, we're still trying to get this inflation number under control. We really want to see what happens there. And uh, there's just a lot of still unknowns what really happens with the market or how this timing all plays out. That's kind of what I said in the uh, the CME FedWatch tool and what happens there. And um, I'm definitely curious as to what that means and really where we do go from here. I know for for some people, you know, things start to seem like they're in a bubble. 
Uh, you know, AI is in a bubble. I keep hearing that, uh, you know, NVIDIA has gone up way too fast, way too much. But uh, I mean, you look at some of the things that have gone up that much and you still look at NVIDIA from where they were two years ago. And, uh, you know, they're still way under some of their peak numbers where we were, you know, purely uh, in, in that euphoric moment of what the market was. And uh, I, I think that um, we've definitely come back down to earth on some stuff. And uh, ultimately, you know, things actually start to make a little bit more sense. Is NVIDIA a little bit high? Uh, potentially, you know, we did uh, trim off about three and a half percent today, uh, sitting back at 386, but it's still a massive run for them. Uh, so I know other companies that uh, are tied to AI or look like they're going to be doing AI, people changing their, their business name to so-and-so AI. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of that uh, WWW moment when everyone re renamed their company, you know, .com or whatever. And I, I do see some of those telltale signs being kind of like, oh, what, ugh, cringeworthy, like, hey, don't do that. But um, at the end of the day, I still think that, you know, the, the main players in this are going to do very well. I know there's a lot of fear around AI and really what it means. People talking about the extinct, extinction of the human race due to AI. And we really need to put some guardrails on this thing before it gets out of control. There's a lot of that, right? But um, I think for some of these companies, they really did get punished when they really didn't need to be. Um, you know, I am looking uh, currently at Palantir. I think they caught an upgrade. Um, AI frenzy leading to Palantir stock the best month since 2020. Uh, that was you. That was today. And uh, I think they had another. Yeah, they, I mean, it says that they're expanding into AI and that one is really helping this thing take off. Um, if I look at the one month. Yeah, we started the month. Uh, probably in the mid 750 range. We're sitting at 1452, so almost a double in the month. And it's uh, it's certainly helpful to me and the you know good amount of shares that I have in Palantir. But um, I don't know that this thing really has uh, reached its full potential right here. Uh, I believe that it's still got a lot of room to go up. And you know, you look back into you know January of 21 when this thing was at 32 dollars. And you can certainly look back and say, hey, what what were we thinking? Why did we let the price to sales get so crazy on this? They weren't profitable then. They weren't scheduled to be profitable for three years. And really, what what was the thing there? Like, I, I know there was a lot of free money. I know everything. Any gross stock was getting, uh, you know, bought up and sent higher. But um, now that, you know, Palantir is actually going to have a profitable year, that's what they're forecasting. And we're at less than half of where they were in 21. We're, we're questioning the amount of run that they've had in such a short time, which I, I, I'm not going to argue. NVIDIA, the run that they've had here, uh, you know, it's, you know, well over 100% at this point. It, it's definitely hard to wrap your head around. But uh, I don't know if we're as euphoric as what we were before. I'd have to, you know, really dive into the price to sales on some of these different companies that are, that are in that growth space. But, um, you know, even some, some, different companies that are trending higher on debt ceiling news. And one of those was SoFi. I know they caught an upgrade as well, uh, which I should really have this pulled up for you. But um, they're saying that, uh, you know, the debt ceiling deal could uh, reignite student loan refinancing business. And um, I forget who this uh, this deal was from. 
or the upgrade was from. But uh, yeah, they're up about 15% today. And uh, I've, I've kind of said this every time they get down to that five, $6 range that uh, I believe it to be too cheap. And it, it's kind of nice to see that, uh, you know, some other people are starting starting to really kind of see that as well. We're sitting at 694. But, um, you know, over the past month or so, this thing got, uh, I believe, down into the $4 range. And uh, that was uh, certainly, certainly painful here. Where uh, where do we get to? I, I see a sub, sub $5 between the 12th and the 17th, really. And, um, yeah, I don't think that it deserved to be there. I understand some of the fear that was around SoFi, but uh, I really don't agree with that in the pricing that has had on it. So nice to see a nice run, nice move higher out of SoFi as well. And uh, then we did get a uh, an upgrade on ChargePoint and uh, another nice one to see that is in that gross stock kind of category, uh, at least one that I've been holding on to for a long time that really has been kind of dead in the water. And um, let's see, we've got uh, Bank of America coming out on the 30th, which was yesterday saying it's a... Uh, Price target of $14, and we're sitting at $9.64. So uh, still, you know, a good amount of upside here. Um, average price target being $15.22 with about 58% of upside. So I, I definitely think that some of these stocks are going to come back into favor as some of these things that are in the market are kind of, uh, you know, getting getting sorted, really. We've got uh, some some clarity on what's happening with uh, with inflation. We kind of know we're getting at the tail end. The debt ceiling deal is uh, is all but done at this point, and um, you know just a, a lot of these other fears are starting to uh, kind of subside, and it's really nice to see. And uh, you know, yes, we could get a little bit more inflation out of some of these different housing names uh, or housing data, uh, some of the services, and we would really need to see some of the wage growth slow for in order for the some of those services to. Uh, really, you know, cut back and have some of that inflation uh, drop off on those types of businesses. But um, I think overall, it's going to get sorted and uh, peak inflation is behind us. And a, a lot of the other clouds that have been over this market are lifting. So I'm not saying to go out and go crazy. Uh, a lot of stocks have already had a massive run. And uh, I think it was Barron's that did this article that said, uh, we've had a 8% move overall on the market since uh, the beginning of the year or the average when this uh, different metric was 8%. And out of the past 24 times that the market has moved up 8%, we have gone up 23 of the 24 times uh, to finish the year about 25% higher than what we where we started the year, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to kind of relive what uh, that report was. But uh, basically, the first 100 days, we move up 8%. We go on to an average annual return of 25%, 23 of 24 times. I think that makes more sense. So uh, and you know, history, if it does repeat itself, we've got about, uh, I don't even know the fraction of 23, 24ths, but uh, it, it's pretty, pretty high that we continue to see a rebound in this market. And... Uh, it's not one that I really want to bet against. I don't really know that there's too many things, too many fears that I'm really concerned about, um, you know, really going forward as uh, compared to where we're coming from, at least. And I guess for that reason, I'm going to continue to dollar cost average into names that I really believe in. You know, some of them 
or I, I don't know if the gross stock names are in the clear now. I just rattled off a couple SoFi, Palantir, ChargePoint that are in uh, those gross stock categories. I'm not saying that it's all clear for them. I'm not saying that anything that's tied to AI is going to be a uh, you know golden horseshoe. Uh, but I do think that some of these are going to see some gains here going forward. Uh, and especially as some of these rates potentially could be cut by the end of the year or into 24. I do think that, uh, you know, some of these rates, as they come down, we're going to see some growth stocks uh, kind of start to take off, at least on the market. I don't know if it's going to be really their time to shine until some of these rates kind of continue to come down. But uh, I do think that the market will continue to buy them as these rates are getting forecasted to be cut. So that's kind of my two cents. Uh, another thing that uh, I wanted to bring up, and someone else talked about this, uh, so I'm actually going to take a look at it with you at the same time. Uh, the QQQ is um, favors you know, the, the top 10 names. I, I believe that uh, Apple, Microsoft make up you know, 10, 12% of that, uh, of that ETF. Now, another one, another way to buy it and not really get uh, simply so heavy on the top 10 names and to, um, you know, actually add in some of those, you know, bottom 90 of the NASDAQ 100 would it be by, would to be buying QQEW, which is the NASDAQ 100 equal weighted index fund. So you're going to get an equal weight of those top NASDAQ 100 names. And not simply just uh, you know Apple, Microsoft, uh, Nvidia that have really outperformed, but you're going to get some of the smaller uh, companies that make up the Nasdaq 100 that maybe haven't really run yet. So you're buying the ETF, uh, and to not have so much invested in you know uh, Tesla, Google, Amazon, the the real names that you really think of when you think Nasdaq, to get a more even mix. You can buy the QQEW in order to take out some of that uh, overweightedness in some of those large cap tech names that have really already run. Uh, you know, we talked about that at the beginning of the year that uh, I was buying QQQ. That was like one of the first investing challenge purchases I made for the year, and uh, I still stand by that decision. I think that uh, you know Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, all those names that had really sold off. Uh, I believe a lot of that was really unjust. And, you know, I, I do believe in that decision. Uh, but now, you know, looking at it now, uh, I don't know that uh, buying simply the QQQ, where some of those main stocks in the QQQ have run, you know, more than 100%, it might not make sense. So the, the QQEW might be another way to get some of these other names that are in there. And then they're sitting around 1% net assets of this ETF. And uh, I'm looking at it now. The The first one is Lululemon, and that's 1.24% uh, of net assets. Intuitive Surgical, which is one that I've always looked to buy, but uh, has always been very expensive in my opinion, is 1.2% of net assets. Enphase makes up about 1.1%. AstraZeneca, these are all about 1%. So I'm just going to run through the list. Diamondback Energy, Electronic Arts, Copart. O'Reilly Automotive, Vertex Pharmaceutical, Gilead Sciences. So that is the first 10 of this uh, equal weighted um, uh, NASDAQ 100 list on this ETF. So you're getting a, a much larger, even uh, distribution of the, the names that you're buying rather than simply buying the QQQ. And let's take a look at what their portfolio looks like because I, I don't want to 
be wrong on what the portfolio is. But, uh, oh, I was wrong. Microsoft is 13.3% and Apple is 12.6%. So if you're buying QQQ, more than a quarter of it's basically buying Microsoft and Apple. Uh, Amazon, 6%. NVIDIA, 5%. Meta, 4%. Alphabet, uh, class A is 3.8. Class C is 3.7. So you add up those and I mean, you're, you're probably close to 40, 50%. And just those five to seven, eight names that I'm talking about here, and uh, you're really not getting a mix of the stocks that haven't really moved up as well as these large cap tech names. So that's just uh, another way to uh, stay invested and maybe not get uh, not be buying at the peak in some of them uh, and really trying to get a more diversified uh, stock mix into your portfolio. So uh, with that, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, the investing challenge, how we're looking and uh, where we're going, really. So stick around. I will be right back. All right, guys, we are back here on the podcast. So uh, I guess first up, uh, as I said earlier, if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do so. If you could also follow me on Spotify, that would mean the world to me. I know a lot of you guys are listening in on Apple. Uh, probably about half of the uh, the people that are listening are on, on Apple, actually. So uh, I do get a little bit more... Uh, uh, follower help and uh, support from Spotify if I reach a, a higher level of listeners over there. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Uh, if you want to listen over there, that's uh, even better. But uh, if you could just go ahead and subscribe on there, that'd be awesome. Uh, so now, uh, also, I do have links in the description to help get you going. Uh, we've got Weeble. That's where I'm doing the investing challenge for 2023. And we have really turned around this account uh, since the start of the year. And um, We've got Binance, we've got Crypto.com, and I do have links to E-Trade. That is where I do the majority of my investing. So I've got those in the uh, description to help get you going. I know Webull's got some great offers right now. If you uh, just open an account and put in as little as a dollar, you can win a bunch of uh, fractional shares. Actually, you will win fractional shares, but they're also giving away some shares of Apple uh, kind of randomly if you uh, go ahead and start an account over there. So... That uh, option is definitely worthwhile. And uh, yeah, I guess let's get back to it. So uh, for week 21 on the investing challenge, I was uh, looking at some different things. And uh, ultimately, uh, we had Cintas, we had Airbnb, we had PayPal, we had Blackstone, and we had Freeport MacMoran. Uh, we went ahead and bought PayPal. Um I think we did okay with this one. We will we will ultimately see. It's only been uh, been a day, but uh, we were able to buy this at a price of about sixty dollars and twenty cents, uh, and then it went on to above sixty two dollars uh, just yesterday. We're sitting at uh, sixty one eighty nine right now. So yes, we're up about dollar seventy or dollar sixty on this one uh, in about uh, in about a day. But um, you know that's really not. Uh, not that impressive with the way that the market's been going. It's really not about the day. It's never really about the the simple swing. Uh, for me, this has been a long-term uh, build of this portfolio. And that's really what we're looking to see is how is this thing going to perform over time? Not necessarily how are we going to do overnight. So I'm not so concerned about the mild market fluctuations. Uh, this one has been a, a tough one for me to own. It's one that uh, I've lost a substantial amount of money on. Uh, I know there's a lot of fear around uh, some of the competition coming in, you know, with Apple Pay, with uh, um, 
what's the other one square uh yeah all, all the other ways i know there's another pay thing that's coming out that uh, people have been talking about that i probably need to look into a little bit more but uh this one i know they got it higher we've got uh, a pe that's at 26 which is um in a spot where i think is very uh at a point where I don't really think we're going to lose on this one crazy. Uh, they are guiding higher. I know the margins are a little bit lower, but the the overall guide was higher. Uh, it's a little bit more on the, the processing side of the business rather than the strictly PayPal Venmo side of the business. But uh, I do believe that they are one of the best in the industry for what they are right now. And uh, I believe that uh, we've got this one at a price point where we can feel pretty comfortable with our entry point. So not condoning you go out and buy it without doing your research, but uh, we went ahead and bought it based on the results of the Let It Grow Investing Challenge on Facebook. And uh, these polls have been closing really short. I think it's a Facebook thing where they close within like 24, 48 hours, and there's no way for me to change it. So if you see me post it, uh, go ahead and throw in a vote. I, I think you can maybe change your vote after you listen into the, the episode, uh, but uh, go ahead and get a vote in. And then we'll we'll try to work that out on the backside. I'm gonna see if I can't change anything in the settings to have these run for a week because that would be that would be ideal for me is to have them open for the whole week as uh, that episode's out. But um, yeah, so we went ahead and bought that uh, PayPal for a week twenty two, two hundred dollars of my own money based on the results of the investing challenge off of Facebook. And uh, for a lot of different people that are maybe new here, this has been something that uh, I started at the start of 22. We lost, uh, we were down, what, about 16%, I want to say, but we outperformed, I believe, all the indexes, except for maybe one. One, one might have beat us. I forget what that was. I'd have to go back and listen. But uh, I know the, the NASDAQ had lost more at the time. Uh, the Dow might have beat us. That might have been it. The, I think the S&P was... Uh, uh, lower or lost more over the course of 22 than what we did. Uh, but now coming back up, we you know cut that loss from that 16, 17%. We're now down around 3%. And uh, yes, we've still got some stocks that have really just not turned around. Some gross stocks that we bought early in 22 that uh, are really just dead money. And that is, uh, it's certainly painful. Uh, yeah, we're down right at three, call it 3%. It's 3.04, but close enough. Uh, so We've got uh, AMD, 36% up. We've got Amazon is uh, you know trying to make a comeback here, 22% uh, up. Broadcom, 47% up. American Express, 14%. Uh, Bank of America, we bought this one middle of last year, so our cost basis is at 36.35. So we are down around 23% of Bank of America, which uh, that one's fairly painful, but uh, I do believe that this one is going to come back. Uh, we bought Capital One Financial during the uh, this little banking crisis, if that's what we want to call it, uh, week 16. So that was about uh, six, seven weeks ago. And uh, we're up about 7% on that name. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a mixed uh, picture here. But overall, I think we're really building a long-term portfolio. Uh, some of these, I think I'd like to just trim or cut all together, regroup, restart, and... Uh, maybe just put that money into something else. I, I know I've been saying that for a while, but um, some of them I'm also looking at, uh, like one of the stocks that is on the investing challenge for this week is Ford. And uh, we are down 38% on this uh, this Ford purchase. I believe we bought this one early in 22. 
when it was kind of at that uh, that peak of the market, there was a lot of uh, euphoria around Ford. I think we bought it around that uh, probably twenty something dollar mark, uh, and I think we even averaged down and we're we're at nineteen fifty. Uh, yeah, we had to buy this one because our our market value is above two hundred. It's sitting at two hundred forty six dollars, and we're down thirty eight percent. So we had to buy this twice. So um, you know to be able to go ahead and and have that one for for week. 23 now as the first stock of the week, uh, we would be able to average down significantly because we're trading at uh, about $12 and six cents as I'm recording this. And, uh, you know, we've got about a 4.7% dividend yield. They are getting uh, access to about 12,000 Tesla chargers, which uh, I believe is supposed to happen in 2024. So that is going to be massive for Ford, I believe. I, I think having that, uh, that, you know, already built out infrastructure, that battery charging network built into, uh, you know, the Mach-E's, the Lightnings, whatever else that uh, Ford does come out with. I'm sure they're going to be uh, in the some work vans that they come out with going forward. And uh, I believe that is really going to give uh, Ford an edge over some other companies that don't have access in the way, uh, you know, the Tesla and Ford vehicles will. So, uh, I think that's going to be a major benefit to Ford going forward. I know they had a lot of losses on EVs, and uh, I believe that going forward, there's going to be more sales around Ford EVs and really having that uh, that network built out around them. Yes, I'm sure there's going to be fees associated with that uh, when they use uh, Tesla chargers and what uh, Ford is going to be paying for that access. And uh, that should actually help both of them, though. So, um uh, I think one of the fears we're, that we might not be seeing is from Tesla owners having more of a congested network when they go to charge. And uh, I know that for people that do have Teslas, there is more of a wait time uh, on busy holiday weekends, things like that, when you need to charge at their uh, their supercharger network. And uh, I, I believe as they build out more charging stations, this is really going to uh, you know, come down, but then when you add other vehicles, uh, other manufacturers into play into those networks, we're still going to need more and more chargers. So uh, the fact that Tesla can be both the manufacturer and have the charging network, I think will be beneficial at that uh, the corporate level, but maybe not so much for the, uh, the Tesla users in the short term. But uh, you know, with the build out of more and more superchargers every week, uh, I definitely think that you know we will slowly uh, adapt and evolve and, and be able to charge everything, uh, and hopefully Tesla is a, a beneficiary of this. And uh, I think that other people that are going to be charging also will enjoy the you know the ease and operation that is the uh, the Tesla supercharger network. That is definitely one of the perks to buying a Tesla, or at least it was, and now it'll be into the Ford EVs as well. So that's number one. Uh, we do have uh, about, like I said, 4.7% of dividend starting, and we've got around 21% uh, of upside on Ford, average price target around 14.62. But um, I do believe that this can go higher than that. Uh, there is a high price on the street of about uh, $21, which is about 74% of upside, and the low is 11. So you've only got about 8% of downside, and uh, a lot more people saying this one's going to go higher. So, uh, I definitely think that Ford could be a solid pick, a good way to dollar cost average down on this one for our portfolio and uh, get some more yield back into uh, the mix of stocks that we're looking at. 
So that is number one. Number two is on semiconductor. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about semiconductors right now. Everyone's looking into the, the you know, the main names being NVIDIA, AMD. We're seeing Broadcom making deals. But I don't really think too many people are looking at on semi. Now, this one is really into the uh, uh, automation and uh, everything to do with uh, chips in cars. They are really trying to uh, get all the the pieces in play for for automotives. Uh, so their segments include include the the Power Solutions Group, the Advanced Solutions Group, and Intelligent Sensing Group. So a lot of those different sensors that are built into cars anymore are going to be uh, on semiconductor chips. Uh, we're going to have uh, you know the self driving stuff would uh, probably be right in their wheelhouse as well. And uh, I definitely think that uh, you know as things are really leaning into AI. Uh, we've definitely got more of a use for, uh, you know, the the self-driving things going forward. And I think that uh, people are going to be leaning into that going forward. And we might get that AI kind of bubble, um, maybe kind of building over into a name like on semiconductor. So we could uh, potentially see a nice run for this one. The PE is at a 20. Uh, so it's lower than a lot of different names that are even in the consumer staple space. And uh, I don't really know that it's caught on as much as it should at this point in time. So uh, low PE, I think it's in the right spot at the right time. Uh, no one actually has voted for this one yet, but uh, the voting closed on Facebook. I'm going to see if I can't change it. Uh, so 16% of upside on, on semi, but uh, one that uh, I believe can go much higher than that in the years to come. So now number three uh, is going to be lows. And uh, Lowe's just uh, raised their dividend. Um, so I thought that that was going to be a bullish signal that uh, they are in a place where they think the company is safe. The income and the, the revenue and all that they're making is safe. Uh, and, you know, they have uh, come down from a, a price of about 223 in February. And uh, I think a lot of that to do was with uh, some of the housing slowdown, some of the... Uh, uh, amount of money that people could borrow against their house, or they're not going to refi to go ahead and do some improvements. So there wasn't as much uh, interest in some of these names. But uh, as the rates come down, uh, I believe people are going to roll back into the Lowe's and Home Depot, the builder supply stocks. Uh, as the rates drop, and really as uh, people really have to do projects, right? We can only wait so long for uh, a leaky faucet or a, a broken refrigerator or stove that's acting up. And uh, I really think that, uh, you know, as people kind of realize that, hey, yeah, we got 10.1 million jobs. People are going to have the money to go to Lowe's and buy a new microwave. Uh, I kind of think that these are going to roll back up. And also it's got a, a PE of 20 as well. So PE of 20, uh, the dividend is about 2.14%. They were just able to raise that dividend 5%. Uh, we've got uh, analyst research on this one. Where are we at on that? About 14% of upside there. So maybe some of these aren't uh, home runs, but uh, they're a solid double play or uh, a double at 14% uh, of upside and uh, you know 2% yield, 20% of upside, and uh, just some stocks that I think can uh, you know really kind of bolster our portfolios through some of these times right now. So number four is going to be in that consumer spending play. And uh, that one is going to be Visa. Now, this one is at a 
PE of 29.6, which is a discount from where it uh, typically trades on a five-year average. The margins are solid. The business is solid. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of competition out there for uh, you know, PayPal and some of the other payment processors. But uh, I believe that they are going to be a solid best-in-class company and one that you can really be comfortable owning and having some growth. And uh, a lot of people say this is another company that would be uh, one of the next five to be at a trillion dollar uh, market cap. And we're sitting at 454. So that would represent a, uh, a double and then some. So if this one, uh, you know, by 2030, a lot of people think that this is going to be the, another trillion dollar company that would have this at, uh, you know, 440 by the year 2030 by a lot of people's uh, accounts. Uh, and the next uh, 12 months, what are people saying? Uh, average price target of about 272, so about 24% of upside. So the highest uh, upside price target on uh, at least this week that we've seen thus far. And uh, one that I definitely think can get there. I uh, believe that we were uh, we were back at uh, 235 on April 21st. And I believe we have gotten higher than that before. Um, maybe not. I'm taking a look here. Uh, two, yeah, 240, 240 back in uh, 2021. So we are, uh, I think, in a good spot to be buying some Visa stock. So if you like that one, go over there and vote for it on uh, Let It Grow Investing if I can get this poll back open. And uh, just, uh, I guess, another name that I really want to bring up, even if we can't vote, uh, I do think that some of these are some solid ideas uh, you know, that I had in an Airbnb in Indianapolis. So um, might not be my best names, might not be my best research, but, um, you know, nonetheless, I, I think that it's got a, some some solid play and solid thought about uh, buying Visa right here uh, for some of the different uh, trends that are going on in the market. So now uh, the last one was going to be Qualcomm, and that uh, ticker is QCOM. Now Qualcomm, man, they've uh, they've definitely gotten beat up on a lot of stuff that is Apple. Uh, their annual revenues set to decrease this year and then kind of stabilize or come back up for next year. But I still believe it's a loss or uh, losing ground from where it was today. But uh, we've also got a PE that is sitting at 12. We got a quarterly dividend of 2.78%. So a lot of that Apple chipset revenue is not there at the moment. Um, so they are looking for a lot of different ways to grow into a lot of different businesses. And uh, they have been doing very well at that. Um, so uh, some of that Apple money, like I said, is not there, but uh, they are looking for other ways to really get their products out the door. Uh, I'm just reading the, the description here. We've got, uh, uh, they have the CDMA te technologies. They have uh, Qualcomm technology licensing, strategic initiatives, and uh, QCT segments and supplies integrated circuits. And system software based on third generation, fourth, fifth, uh, okay, 3G, 4G, 5G, and other technologies for use in wireless voice and data communications, uh, global positioning, GPS systems, uh, multimedia. They, they've got a lot of different things going, uh, a lot of things in the uh, communications industry. And uh, I believe that they are going to continue to look for new end uses for their chipsets. And uh, one that I believe should do good over the long term. I still think we've got a lot of pain around Apple. And uh, yeah, this one has been one that I've kind of been in forever. Um, and one that I kind of feel comfortable with investing some more into. 
And uh, we got about 18.6% of upside on this name. So average price target about 135 and we're sitting at 113. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's about all I got for you guys this week. I, I think a lot of that fear is lifting out of the market. Debt ceiling has been, uh, you know, kind of kicked the can down the road. We're going to spend a little bit more, but we do have some bumpers on uh, how much we're going to be spending. So it's not an open checkbook, but uh, I believe it was two trillion over the next two years, something like that. And uh, I, I'm going to see what the the final deal is before I uh, really dive into what it all means. But um, yeah, I think a lot of that fear is lifted. I think we've got uh, you know a lot of the dark clouds of inflation kind of lifting. Like I said, we still got some housing concerns. There's still some other things out there that we're watching. But uh, overall, uh, I, I don't know that there's so much that we're really fearful of going forward. And uh, I think that could be good news for the market. And like I said, 23 of the past 24 times that we've had an 8% run up in the first 100 days. Uh, we finished that year at 25% higher. So history repeats itself. We're going to see some more gains for the rest of the year. So I want to sit tight. I want to continue to dollar cost average into the market. And uh, you know, don't cr try any crazy moves, but uh, continually buy stocks that I think are undervalued. They're going to pay us uh, maybe some dividends along the way to, in order to uh, hold on to them. And uh, overall, we're building up a, a portfolio that we can be proud of. So if you're following along, thank you. If you haven't and you're trying to consider doing that, uh, you can go over to Webull and uh, get your uh, your account going and get some free fractional shares and be entered in to win some Apple shares as well. So that link is again in the description. And that's about all that I've got time for today. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.